The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me this uh, this evening is the lovely Porsche. Mecca, Mecca, Mecca. Well, I mean, we mucked up the scheduling, but I got to listen to the <laughs> Albert in front bar while we waited, so that was pretty good. There all right, go. That's not a bad show, you know? They should, it is. They should do it every, every week. Very passionate. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Very passionate. Well, what a game on the weekend, eh? Oh, my God. I've not been so frustrated with a game that we could have maybe won since the Jared Poulton game against Sydney at the SCG in about 2002 when he kicked the goal on the siren. Anytime you think about, you know, games that you kick a goal on the siren, you think, oh, it's a legendary game, but that was just the shittest game, the most frustrating game, the game where you could sort of see we were hanging in there and we could win, but even if we won, you'd just be glad it was over and you got the four points. And this was really exactly that game. It was just constant source of frustration, even when we were up. See, I just assumed then you were talking about the Melbourne game, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a double, lucky me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. Uh, so let's get on to our love and hate. Uh, one thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port Adelaide on the weekend. What was your love? Look, I loved that we did sort of hold on to some extent. But we actually, that was the thing about this one. Like, it wasn't a fitness loss or anything like that. It was really a focus loss. Uh, and yeah. it's it's when you know that you're going to lose if you lose focus and you hang in there for three quarters. I mean, I know it's shit, but given how many cards are stacked against us, first of all, by, you know, the advantages of GWS of list management, but also our selectors, uh, the fact that we hung in as long as we did, that's kind of the good it's a disappointing good because it's got an inevitable failure like Gallipoli. But, um, yeah, that's that's about it. Fair enough. Yeah, mine's along the same tack. I love the fact that, um, despite the fact that GWS really controlled the play, and they, they did really sort of control all game, um, we were able to keep in the game and, and we were able to work back some momentum ourselves and, and work our way back into the contest. And we did actually look half a chance there for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a few times in the game where it looked like um, they might run away with it. Uh, but we kept up, we kept at it, and we worked ourselves back into the game up till three-quarter time. And, you know, despite uh, having significantly less of the ball as well. And I thought we were really efficient that way, which I, I did like. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I, I think that one thing that if I was a GWS fan, I don't think I'd be happy with that game because they, they're they not as mentally tough as they should be, you know. Like they were a top four side last year and mm. the fact that we managed to hold them in with a clearly inferior team on the ground, yep. uh, at their home, basically their home ground, um, <laughs> it would be a little unsettling, I would have thought. Yeah, I would think so. And look, they, as I said, I thought they controlled the play. They had so much more of the ball. They they dominated us on the inside, heaps more inside 50s, but we just kept at it, which I, I really did like. So mm. I thought we played not too bad considering um, all that. Um, what was your hate? Um, I don't know if it's a hate. My, I guess my hate is when I sort of um, when I thought you were Al on the Skype, which is basically that I didn't realise there was I didn't realise there was a Vic Metro versus Vic Country trial on uh, until after it was completed because I started looking up draft stuff after we lost. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of my hate. I missed that, but really it's just that 
uh, I don't know, it's a very soft hate, the, the real hate I have, which is that I think we have, I think that we've sort of seen, in my view, that Ken's not going to get us there. Uh, mm. my, I know it's, it's, it's people say, oh, we're 2 2, da da da. But it's like, yeah, but like we talked about a couple of weeks ago on this podcast about how it almost looked like a coincidence that we'd picked our best side for the first couple of rounds, like our biggest side across the ground, you know, with actual ability to play the game plan that we've regularly tried to play in previous seasons. And the recent selection since then has sort of said, yeah, that was an accident. And it's looking like late Euro Choco when you just get the players that you like and try and make a game plan around them that week, whoever's fit. Yeah, mm. it's, it's it's a bit disappointing. As I said um, last week, I didn't really understand the the uh, decisions on selection. And, you know, I was so happy when I saw our sort of first round team and, and how we played and we finally had good structure all over the park and good height all over the park and especially in the midfield as well and you get a couple of injuries and you just make some baffling changes. I don't understand it. I don't understand what we're trying to do. Um, it's very disappointing in that regard. I mean, it, it kind of makes it look, and this is the this is the frustrating part, it kind of makes it look like we don't know why we won the first two rounds. <laughs> you know, mm. like, like that was baffling to us that we just thought, oh, okay, it's for some other thing. And then the changes we've made since then have, you know, really turned the side inside out and reverted us completely to the last couple of years. And that's worrying yeah. for coaching from, from, you know, reviewing your coaches, the thought that maybe they sort of chanced into those first two wins in some respects or there were different voices on the coaching panel that were heard that week as opposed to more recently or the loss against the Crows has caused the, the, the power sway within the coach's box to change from one way to another. Uh, it doesn't It doesn't seem unified. Nah. I would have thought. I'm not. I'm not saying they're arguing or anything like that, but I'm just saying it just seems to be a lot of different ideas that aren't mel- mixing. Yeah, there just seems to be a bit of confusion there in the box. I yeah, think, yeah, I'd say so. Or at selection table particularly, but yeah. yeah. Um, my hate this week is that we've just got too many players who are inconsistent, um, and that really does my head in as well. Like they play well one week and go completely missing the next, and. Probably more than half our side, you could say, uh, come under that sort of category. And, um, you know, they can look a million dollars one week and not get near it the next. It's a, it's a bunch of players who've got plenty of talent as well, which is frustrating. And, you know, they, they've got to a certain level, but just don't seem capable of taking the next step. And I, I'm not sure if that's a talent issue, if it's a development issue, a coaching issue or a motivation issue. Uh, but it's certainly an issue. Do you want to name a few names? Oh, I could certainly name a few names. I mean, Jared Pollock's probably one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Jonas is probably another. Aaron Young stands out. Jarman Ippie's probably the prime example, I think, because I think he's got talent to burn and just isn't delivering anywhere near enough. Carl um, yeah. Amon, you could say, and then some more of the obvious guys like Hamish Hartlett, Sam Gray, that sort of thing as well. And look, I thought uh, Hammer played pretty well on the weekend, and I'm actually liking uh, what he's doing down back at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, um, again, with his talent, he should be doing more. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I don't mind. I haven't. I didn't mind Hamish Hartley this game. He might not have racked it up in disposals, but what he did was pretty good. I thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, look, I'm in the I'm in the disappointed with Impy Camp for sure. Absolutely. Uh, he's he's being treated as a first twenty-two player. Got the rush back in. Uh, and he's just not putting it up. He is inconsistent. But then. Why is he inconsistent? What, what's what's the thing behind it? Why do we have, you know, we can change these players around and around, 
Uh, and if we keep finding inconsistent players, you know, there's something else going on there, surely. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's <sighs> right. Um, and you could probably add a few more players to that list as well. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That, for me, that's the, the real frustration is because I, I believe we've got a very talented squad, but they just don't show it consistently enough. Yeah. I think we have some pretty exploitable weaknesses. And let's get back on our bandwagon again. It's Ryder's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Paddy, come on, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, look, I mean, I think that it was really telling uh, in some respects that uh, this is my theory. I've got a new theory, which is that Brendan Laid is fantastic, uh, which if you look at Ty Vickery's form and you look at Paddy Ryder's form coming back, uh, you know, you'd have to say maybe there's a laid factor in our ruck work. Uh, and seeing the outcome, you know, Sam Palpeffer, Ryder's out. All of a sudden, Sam Palpeffer just drops down to our eight disposals and no real impact, apart from one good contested mark early. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe Brendan Lade is the guy. Who knows? Possibly. Do you Possibly. think we would have won this game if Ryder played? Because that would have allowed yes. us um, someone to go up against Mumford in the ruck, who's an actual ruckman, and then Trengove to play down back, uh, where we got absolutely hammered by their tolls. I think it would have given us at least some possibility of making it a shootout, mm. uh, and that would have played in our favour to some extent, for sure. Yeah. Again, very disappointing, Paddy, but uh, let's make sure he um, makes up for it in the next few weeks. Yeah, don't get suspended. God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, question time. We've got quite a few, so we'll, uh, we'll turn through these. Uh, Pommy Power has asked, um, puppet arm or naan bread? Um, look, always naan bread because they're hot. Uh, Papadums mm. lose heat really quickly. But the question for me would be like naan or roti. Um, <sighs> mm, oh, mm. That's a tough one as well. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing, it's one of those things where you, a restaurant usually does one of them good and one of them kind of shit. Um, yeah. I've never, I've never been to an Indian restaurant that does both well. <laughs> so, uh, Fair enough. you, you, you got to, I'll go with either of them, quite honestly, whichever one comes out the freshest and with the naan, you want, you want the bubbles, you want the big bubbles and the big, yeah. little burnt bits. That's what yeah. you really want. Yeah. Look, for me, it's naan every time. Garlic naan is probably, outside of Sasha and Tendulkar, it's probably the best thing to come out of India, I reckon. So that's mm. um, that's where I'd be going. Yeah, garlic naan is pretty nice, I've got to say. A nice hot garlic naan. But, um, you know, papadums are nice occasionally. Yeah, they're not too bad. Oh, oh, here's a question for you. Papadums or prawn crackers? Prawn crackers. Ah, okay. Only because... <laughs> if they do that weird thing where they stick to your tongue and it's kind of yeah, uh, strange yeah. but really satisfying at the same time. So I think I'll, if you're a kid, definitely prawn crackers every time. Yeah. Because it's just so interesting and exciting. Yeah. Because sure. you're a kid and everything's just weird. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Papagello has asked, uh, what's happened to the fourth quarter Burjo boost that we had during 2013-14? Um, I don't think fitness is losing us games. Uh, I think as I said nah. earlier, it's focus. I reckon it's focus. Yep. Yeah, it's all mental. Yeah, oh, yeah. we say mental, but yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not like oh, we're not doing well. Blah blah. blah. It's just losing focus. No, it's Let's focus and confidence going on. and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah, it's not a confidence thing. Even I don't think. I think it's just the fact they lose track of what's going on, uh, and it's it's hard to think that hard for two hours. You know, for anyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's True. tricky. Yeah. yeah, I struggle after about ten minutes, but 
And especially they've been running around, you know, full pelt and <laughs> kicking and marking and everything else. I mean, we, people talk about football as being dumb, but to play modern football, you can't be dumb. You can't be dumb. No. You can't afford to be. Because yep. you've got to know the ins and outs of probably... It's it's quite different to what it used to be where you could sort of concentrate on one opponent because you knew you were going to play on that one opponent for pretty much the whole game so you could work on them during the week. Now, you could play on 10, 12 different players uh, throughout the course of a game. There's so many sort of structural things going on as well. Uh, it's certainly a lot harder mm. and, and uh, players need to be a lot more switched on than what they used to be uh, back in the day, I guess you'd say. Yeah, and look, a lot of that is not even the, the raised professionalism. Um, a lot of that is just coming down to the fact that, and that's what makes Australian rules excellent, is that it is hard to keep track of. That's what keeps it competitive. That's what makes it so that you can have a, a team that is worse on paper, but they still win. You know, the equalisation of the draft and everything else is there. But the fact that Australian rules is hard to know everything about. Um, you, you know, the NFL, they'll talk about, oh, you've got to memorise all the playbooks. It's like, yeah, but once you memorised them, you got them, right? <laughs> you yeah, got them. That's it. Uh, and it's a short play. And then 15 seconds later, you're doing, you're starting from scratch. You don't have to work out how to implement, you know, new strategies on the fly very often. Yeah. Uh, whereas it's constantly happening, constantly. So it's it's very very mentally demanding game if you're good. Yeah. That's mm. it. Uh, John has asked, uh, can you see Ken learning from his mistakes in forward structure? No. Nope. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. You know, we, <laughs> last year we went in under height up forward uh, a few times as well, and uh, I don't see why this year would be any different. Yeah, no, I, I think for me, this last two weeks has just sort of confirmed that, you know, he's not progressing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wilde has asked, uh, Ibanez or Jackson guitars? Uh, I don't know a lot about guitars, but my guitar loyalty has to go, like, you know, people do with football teams, my guitar loyalty has to go to Gibson, because okay. <laughs> it's my, dad, my dad's guitar. <laughs> oh, fair enough. There you go. I'm going to say Ibanez, because a lot of the guitarists from my favourite bands play Ibanez, so... Guys oh, like okay. Meshuggah and Fear Factory and Animals as Leaders and Slipknot and Corn, all them. So yeah, yeah. they're all uh, Ibanez players. So yeah, I'd probably choose them. Fair enough. There we go. Uh, Falls Report has asked a very good question: In why did we fly Austin to Canberra and not play him? Uh, who do you, who who does he replace? Like we talk about him being a big unit, but he's only two centimeters taller than Clary. Yeah, he's still um, well. <laughs> he still would have helped, wouldn't he? Well, yeah, but who, who? Okay, who do you drop for him? That's the question. Probably Broadbent. He hasn't really done much this year, I would say. Yeah, but do you think? Like, I, I don't think that makes us necessarily. Oh, look, it gives us more options. I agree with that. And given we got beaten in the air, I can see that being valid. Mm. But I don't know. Like, if I was going to make a change between our list that wasn't playing in our list that was. I mean, I don't think that's the one I make. I don't know. Mm. I, I think he should have played. It would have given yeah. us a genuine... With Ryder out of the side, it would have given us a genuine key defender that certainly would have helped, I think. Yeah, yeah, look, it could have. It could have. Mm. I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, I'd be more inclined... If I was going to make the change, I'd be more inclined to have brought in Frampton. Um, purely because then Jackson Trengove can be a part-time ruck and then he can drop back because he's a big enough unit, he's got the experience and he could have taken on um, Patton. I would have been I would have been happy with Trengove on Patton defensively. Okay, that's fine. Mm. Yep. You don't agree? 
No, <laughs> I certainly agree with that. Yeah, well, mm. as I just said, we needed another key defender, I think. And uh, yeah, Trengo yeah. certainly well, would have done. Get Trengo's yeah. a wonderful key defender. Let's um, yes, let's be straight. And he, yeah, there was no way that Patton would have kicked six goals if Trengo was playing down back. No, and he's the biggest of our key defenders too. So that's the thing we really lose by having him sort of playing ruck or forward is that he's our biggest key defender. You know, yeah. Just, just in, if, if you've got it, if you're up against a team with tall forwards, he kind of has to play defence. So, uh, that's very true. yeah, mm. very true. Uh, power, power, power has asked the uh, the age old question: When eating a sausage on bread, what goes first? Choice A: thick bed of sauce, then the sausage. Choice B: sausage first, then a thick sauce line on top. That's a big question. It is. It's bigger than he's asking because there's well, so many. I'm going to say, where's the onions in this scenario too? Well, like, that's. Oh, 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 let me don't don't eat don't even. What is it? Is it going to be a diagonally placed sausage or is it going to be oh. bisecting? What sort of bread is it? Is it going to be white bread, multi-grain, whole meal? Nah, uh, if, is, if is you're it... going the sausage on bread, it's got to be white bread. All right, I'm a big fan bread, of multi-grain, but it has to be white bread. Is it a square loaf or is it a Helga's loaf, which are a bit wider, or is it something else? What sort of sausage is it? Is it a I've, snag that you get from the barbecue? Is it a bockwurst? Is it a Vienna sausage? Is it a hot dog, like a Don's hot dog or something like that? What is it? What sauce are you going to put on it? Tomato sauce, barbecue sauce, Worcestershire sauce, a bit of mustard maybe? What sort of mustard? Seeded mustard, American mustard? What are you going to do? This, like, <laughs> we could literally talk about this for the rest of the podcast, I think. I could do a podcast about sausage on bread. That's a big one. We, we, need to, we need to pay proper attention to that one. Oh, look, for me, you can't. I, I love Helga's bread. You can't go Helga's bread with a with a uh, with sauce and a hot sausage because it just falls to pieces. And you end yeah. up with sauce and sausage in your hand. You might as well just pick up a sausage from the pan and eat it that way. I think. So you need something with a little with a bit more sort of firmness to it. Um, and I think. Uh, the, the usual sort of white loaf you get from Baker's Delight. For me, that's the perfect sausage in bread bread. And do you butter the bread before you put the sauce and sausage on? Yes, you do. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And if you, and, and, and onions. With onions, do you do a diagonal placement for the sausage so you can hold more onions or do you stick with a sort of a bilateral one? Because I think there's a lot of people that would. I don't know. I'm a uh, square sausage placer as okay. opposed to diagonal. Um because I think uh, then you get a little bit over the side, which is which is nice to start with as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The other question is, do you go brown onions or red onions? Well, there's that as well, isn't there? Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're having a German sausage, do you add a bit of sauerkraut? You know? Oh, that's, that's true. I'm a staunch red onion fan. Um, okay. I'll back in the red onion above anything else every day of the yep. week. Fair enough. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm not go. picky. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about footy again? Or... Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? That's it. Uh, T. Cray has asked to describe the position Justin Westhoff plays in a maximum of three words. Anywhere he wants. I was going to say biddy flog plotter, but that goes well as well. So. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Uh, Glitch01 has asked uh, who gets dropped out of White, Amon and Impy this week? Uh, look, I mean, the bigger question is who comes in. That like the, the, it's easy to find guys to drop, and yeah, okay, those shorter guys that have been consistent are on the list, absolutely, um, on my list anyway. I don't know yeah. if they're on Ken's list, I bet they're not. Um, but who comes in? Who comes in, Macca? You know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, of those, I think MP's probably the most out of form. Really? Yeah. I mean, Amon is not 
doing heaps, but I mean, he's still getting numbers at least. Uh, and and White, oh, I mean, if you play White last week, you got to keep playing him because otherwise, or the coaches will keep playing him because otherwise they look like absolute idiots. <laughs> Bring him back too early, which everyone already said. So you know. Mm. Mm. That's fair. I don't know. I think Impy's spot might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, Amon has at least been consistent. So I'll give him that. Uh, White, well, I guess we'll talk about him um, uh, a little bit later on. But uh, we've had some good answers for uh, for the uh, Justin Westhoff question. We've got uh, Dog Without Leash. Uh, Bomber Clifford has <laughs> said uh, Roaming Barista, which I really, really like. Yeah, yeah. And Paddy has said uh, Centre Half Beautiful, which is also pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, Port Woolwich has asked the question, how would you rate Cleary's performance the past two rounds? Uh, Patton kicked six goals on him this round. Walker, four goals last week. Um, I made a comment. I used my good material in the Abwood and front bar when I was listening to it, which is that uh, it reminds me a lot of Zach Dawson when he started at Hawthorne uh, in that everyone was saying, oh, he's a shit defender. It's like, no, he's been set up to fail every week. And it just feels like we're doing that with Cleary at the moment. Yeah. Um, he's getting he's getting the big jobs. He, we know he's under height and like, oh, team defence. Yeah, well, team defence is one thing, but team defence should have a backup because every opposition is going to try and break your team defence. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and and it's always seems to be clear on the rough end of it. So look, I don't I don't I don't even blame him. I don't even blame him for the way he's playing. I think he's just been set up to look the fool. So yeah, he got yeah, uh, yeah he got let out to dry. Those yeah. last couple of goals where Hugely. he sure got into him. like that, They weren't his fault. And I will also say that Patton didn't kick six goals specifically on him either. I reckon he only no. kicked probably three, four at the most on Cleary. So uh, he was poor last week in the second half. But um, I guess he's still young. He's still learning. Um, I still hold out hope for him. I think with uh, another key defender there to help out, that would be great. And if we can get the team defense going properly, um, then, yeah, he'll look a hell of a lot better. Can I throw in a question, which is, do no, you I... think, well, I'm going to, okay. do you think that Todd Marshall might get his start as a key defender? Uh, probably not. He's no, got I... the attributes. For the style of defence we're trying to play, he's got the attributes. He's got the quick lead, he's got a decent mark, mm. um, and he's got a good ball awareness, and he chases and he tackles. Like, that's pretty much what you want for a key defender in the current style of defence we're trying to play. I'm just wondering... Yeah, you're right there. He does have those traits, but I just don't think we would go down that path. Okay. That's all right. That was just a question. Yep. Uh, Lightning Rod has asked, uh, will Chad ever reach his potential, or are we looking at Motlot Mark II? Uh, Maybe. Look, um, Chad's a small forward. Yeah? Chad's a small forward. And the rule of, of, of football is that you don't hope that your, your small forward's going to make your forward line. You can't. That's not a realistic expectation. And if they do make your forward line, you're probably not going to go all that far in finals. That's what history tells you as well, you know. If, you're small, if your best players are small forward, you, you, hard, you have a hard time in finals. That's usually the yeah. case. It's the film material rule. Yeah, exactly. Finals film material. Um, so I, I think that... His potential will come uh, if and when we have a a midfield that is resilient enough to deliver consistently and forwards that stay forward and have some kind of structure that make him a harder matchup than, oh, there's Chad Wingard. Okay, he's the only guy at, near the ball right now. 
Okay. Exactly. We need we need to <laughs> we need more talent up forward who are going to take <clears throat> pressure off uh, off him because, uh, as you just said, I think it's pretty clear that um, opposition teams sort of um, know that if they can shut down Chad, then they're a massive massive chance of of winning the game. And if he gets off the leash, then uh, it's more likely that we're going to win. So, uh, if we could have another. Um, sort of forward midfielder like Chad is, uh, who's just as good, that'd be bloody wonderful. It would be, but I don't think I don't think it's the main thing that's going to solve the problem. Um, I think it's just having alternate legitimate targets of any mid, medium or large size, ideally. Yeah. Um, mm, mm. Uh, Marchie has asked on uh, Spreaky Chat, is Chad ever moving into a more midfield role? And uh, I ah. guess he did in the first sort of week or two, but... Um, it's just too valuable up forward, and I also think uh, there's a concussion issue as well there, which uh, will stop him from becoming a full-time midfielder, unfortunately, because I think uh, that might even be his best position. Uh, I'm not convinced of that. Look, I mean, I think that the main trait that I admire about Chad Wingard is he's goal-hungry, um, and that's good for a half-forward. That's brilliant for a half-forward. Uh, and if he starts playing mid twelve, like we're talking about, because he already, like you said, he already plays a little bit midfieldy when you know the teams come out of defence and he's starting in midfield. Um, but like, I don't want to see Chad Wingard loitering around half back or the back of the square. I've yeah. got no interest in that whatsoever. <laughs> complete waste, complete waste of time. So yeah. I hope he just keeps playing that half forward role where he runs at the top of the centre square to the goal all the time. That that's that's his best area, uh, and that's still a part time midfield role in effect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it not not I don't I don't ever want to see him turn into Hamish Hartlett. Let me put it that way. No, no, that's fair. Uh, long live PAFC. With the last question here, what did those selections last week say about the depth at the club, or perhaps what the coaches think of that depth? I think I kind of covered that, which is that they're all confused. Uh, but it also mm. like the depth at our club is short, and or. We've given them long contracts and are just waiting to delist them. Like it's a combination, <laughs> or both, or both. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like much. that's it. Both, that's really. basically yeah. our depth, and then, and then yeah. there's a couple of draftees thrown in. Like yeah. that's basically it. So the depth that I, the, this is the this is the annoying part. The guys in our team right now, if we say, oh, we're going to drop Kai and we're going to drop Jarman Impey, who's replacing them? Who's mm. kind of, who's looking at our list? Who's who are we bringing in? You know, like there's hope with Atlee and Drew, but they're still raw. They've got to cut. They've got to get up to speed. Yeah. with their training and everything else, and that's fine. They might get up to speed in the second half of the year, so then we might get a little bit of a bonus out of them. Well, you just know um, it'll be Cracker and Need. Or Brendan Archie, you know, like guys that we've we've given really good goes to before and they've occasionally had good games in shit seasons and then nothing. Um, so we've, we've, got a, we've got dead weight, and I say this every year, so it's just becoming a, a broken record, but we've got dead weight on that depth chart, and... We talked about at the start of the year, oh, it was good to have competition. It's like, yeah, we got some competition uh, for the top 10, <laughs> but we don't for the top 22. Not really. Yeah. That's mm. it. Right, on to our review. And uh, look, Port Adelaide made the trek to Canberra on Saturday to play GWS. And despite leading at three-quarter time by four points, we lost by 31 points. 11 yeah. goals, 15 to 16 goals, 16. Wasn't that great? Uh, Travis Boak uh, kicked two goals. He was the only multiple... A goal kicker, and uh, he also became our longest-serving AFL captain as well. Uh, so I guess the first question I've got is, Porsche, why did we lose? Uh, we lost because they had the edge in midfield that they needed when it mattered, 
uh, our defence was not able to maintain what it was doing all day. And when we went forward, we didn't go forward well enough. And our forwards that were there uh, did not do brilliantly. Um, it's not really a surprise that Charlie Dixon looked better when we had more key forwards in the side. It's not a surprise at all. Yeah. Um, that's that's really obvious. So uh, if we just we just re- we just reverted to last year. If we play like this again next week against Carlton, we're gonna we know what we're gonna see because we've seen it the last couple of years. Uh, mm. <laughs> it, it, yeah, that's Let's that's why we there. lost. Let's not go no. there today. No, no. Okay, <laughs> we'll we'll save that for Thursday. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, it was uh, we were just completely dominated in the midfield by GWS, both inside mm. and outside. They just controlled inside. They won so much contested ball, uh, and they just kept onto it on the outside. They had uh, outside runners that absolutely dominated in Kelly and Scully, which uh, I think we spoke about in the uh, preview as well that they were going to be dangerous. Um. And yeah, look, I had to work on uh, on Saturday, so I kept track of the scores um, on on my phone as I was working, and uh, look, was pretty bitterly disappointed with what seemed to happen in that last quarter on uh, on face value. But watching the replay, though, I thought we were actually quite lucky to be in the game still. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that, how I that kind of old uh, that damn wall bursting sort of theory. Um, GWS just kept hammering away until we just couldn't hold on anymore, and then they kicked away in the last quarter. Um. The other question, which I guess we've sort of half covered as well, is uh, was this game lost at selection? And would playing yeah. one or all of Austin, Eddie and Frampton have made any difference to the result? Um, I mean, not as much as Ryder in, but uh, yeah, I, like, I think it would have made a, a difference. Um, oh, in defence, maybe. I don't think all of them, but I think I think Frampton in would have at least given us something a different in midfield that they were yeah. not prepared for, you know? Like, even if you just came in and had a game like that Dougal Howard's first ruck game where he, you know, got a couple of decisive taps, like, even if just enough to shake mm-hmm. him a bit, yeah. I think that would have been a good thing. And as we said, then you have Trengove go back. Like, even that change, I, would, I think, could have won us that game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've I'm denied about that question a lot over the last few days, and... I certainly think having an extra toll or two in the side would have certainly helped. Um, would it have made any difference? I'm not too sure. Uh, did adding in a couple of extra runners really help us all that much? I don't know. Maybe that kept us in the game. Who knows? Well, look, for me, Eddie in, yes, Eddie in is good. But if we're already getting smashed in midfield because we're ruck deficient and our midfield is not quite up to it, then Eddie in doesn't do anything much. It might it might have made it so that uh, Charlie kicked another goal and maybe Eddie might have kicked a goal, but that's still we still lose. So, um, mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, what did you think of Travis Boak's performance? He had uh, two goals in the first half, picked up twenty touches. Uh, he looked really bloody good in that first half, but sort of uh, um, went a little bit missing after half time, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've said it all basically. I thought Travis Boak played pretty well in the first half. Uh, I don't know. This is the thing. Like we talk about him, this is you know he's played the most games as captain at AFL level, um, but the team didn't seem to get anything out of him. Like he he played, he did some pretty big things for Travis Boak. Like he did some pretty pretty nice football, at important points. Yeah. And it didn't feel like the team lifted because of it at all. Nah. Uh, no, that's probably that, true. And I, I don't know whose fault that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you take out of that. Well, it's, yeah. it, it's 
the Travis like Travis playing well and then Port's reaction to it is like GWS playing well and then the GWS crowd's reaction to it. Like they don't seem to really appreciate what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, look, that goal he kicked in the second quarter was absolutely mint. I thought he, uh, yeah, I thought that brilliant. was one Absolutely of the brilliant. best goals he's ever kicked. Um, I agree. That was right up there with his brilliant. better half. I guess we definitely. did kick a goal um, a minute after as well, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I was really hoping the team would lift for that sort of uh, effort that he put in in the first half. and um, But it, it just didn't really happen in the end, I guess. It just There wasn't a lift in energy, no, I don't think. And that's yeah. that's kind of... Oh, gee, I don't know. Like, I, mean, I get that we were playing a focused game. And I, I know that, like, in the first half, I, I did respect the fact that we were trying harder than we have done in previous weeks to make sure we hit a target, um, which was, you know, and that was a change. That was a positive change because uh, we're not always concerned of that. Um, yeah. And we were really trying to and being conscious of it. But, yeah, I don't know. That's it. Um, Matthew, uh, controversially selected in front of Brett Eddy and uh, Billy Frampton. White uh, came in for his first game of the year. First game in about 18 months. Um, what did you think of his effort and was uh, rushing him back into the side worthwhile? No, it wasn't worthwhile. Yes, I think he did as well as you would expect a guy who hasn't played any real football for a couple of years to do in his first routing. Um, but I think, do I think he could have played in the SNFL and come back and had a, a good time against Carlton, who do like who would give him more space to sort of recover and get the feel of the game again, I think that would have been an infinitely superior option to, to bring him back against Carlton. Absolutely. Yeah. So well, he only got 63% on ground. I'm not sure what he was, what his role was meant to be out there. He did a lot of running, but um, didn't really impact with his disposals and didn't really get a lot of the ball either. So was it worthwhile rushing him back in? I don't think it was. I still don't understand why we did that, but... I don't know. Look, I don't. I, I don't know what. I don't know what he added to the side that we couldn't have used someone else to try and add and shuffle, for example. Yeah. Um. It, it's interesting comparing either of the first two rounds with this round because you look at the first two rounds and you see how much of the time, if you count down all the times we we, we won significant contests, how much of the time it was because we had the bigger body in the contest. Uh, yeah. You know, usually height wise, but also a bit of strength wise as well. And then you see this week, and it's just the complete inverse. So adding a 180-centimetre 30-year-old outside midfielder, I don't know how that improved our lot against mm. the bigger side of the competition. That, that That's a really clinical perspective. Um, you know, I like for those numbers that he put up, I reckon I would have had Joe Atley in the side, for sure. Yeah, you'd probably... Um, yeah, look, I, I would agree 100% with that. I would have much rather than a 11-disposal uh, effort from Joe Atley as opposed to Matthew White. Yeah, in this yeah, game, yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jared Pollock, what went wrong out there for Jared? He's been in pretty good form. Um, I've had him as best on ground, I think, in two of our games so far this year. But uh, disappointingly, he was uh, nowhere to be seen on the weekend and uh, his opponent ran off him all day. Yeah, well, look, I don't know. Like, I, I, I didn't uh, watch his match up all that closely. It's only looking at the stats now that I see how shitty he was, but... I think that it wouldn't. If I was GWS, he's a player I definitely would have tried to target because he's been in fantastic form this year. He's been yeah. had really good games. Um, to come out of that with a 35% disposal efficiency and 14 touches, like that's what is that? Where did that come from? You yeah. know, uh, I, I'd say they just weren't letting him build in the way he's been building as much as anything. Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Darcy Byrne Jones, is there reason to be worried with his form so far this year? No, not really. I think he's doing what he's there to do. Okay. Yeah. 
He's pretty accountable. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't think he was that great on the weekend, but um, I thought his first first few weeks were were not too bad. I kind of feel like when you're giving the service you are to that that forward line um, in that game, then like I had look, I find it hard to criticise any of the individual defenders this week, um, purely because of just the the quality of ball they were getting forward and the consistency of it. We were overwhelmed, you know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Jackson Trengove, how did you think he performed in the ruck against Mumford? He obviously got smacked in hitouts, but uh, I thought he put in a pretty decent effort, and that goal he kicked, again, should have been one that really lifted the team uh, because it was an absolute monster goal. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I, look, I think he did all right for what he did. Uh, and then I'm, I'm going to say it a third time, I would have preferred he played as, as a key defender in this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Brad Ebert, I thought he was pretty decent on the weekend as well. He's at least been in consistent form. Um, GWS's midfield did dominate, but I thought uh, he was probably the best of our midfielders on the day. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd agree, uh, just for consistency across the game. Um, like Travis Spoke we said, he played a really good first half. And I think, yeah, probably Ebert was up there. Um, when Ebert's our best midfielder, I don't know that we win all that often. Yeah, um, which is not this is not blaming him in any way, but I, like it's if you're an opponent and Brad Ebert's the one that gets loose, you're probably going to win, in my view. Um, so that that's kind of symptomatic in some respects. But yeah, look, in his individual game, absolutely, I thought he was pretty good. Jam Nimpy, where's he at? What uh, what's his best position? I've got no idea where he's at. I've got absolutely no idea. I don't know what his role is in the side. Um, and you know, like, what is he now? What is he? He's he should be. Somehow he should be with his with his breadth across the shoulders and his general strength. He should be a guy that can run through the middle, um, but he's not. He's running around the outside. Uh, that's another deviation from the first two rounds, which is that we're running around the outside a hell of a lot more. Um, you know, we, we did not try and run through contests. Yeah, and that was strange. We were doing that. That was really good when we were doing that, and we stopped yeah, we doing were. that. Yeah, uh, we started trying to do the dinky little chains of handballs over the top down the wings, uh, and that's the strategy that's failed us the last two years. So for me, like Jarman Impey, he's either not following instructions or the instructions he's being given a shit. So uh, <laughs> I don't know where we're at with him. I've got no idea. Yeah. Just, as I've said so many times, it's disappointing because I think he's got talent to burn. He's built like a rugby player. He's got a wonderful sidestep. He should be absolutely burning down the field. He with, should be. Uh, and down the know, corridor. Opposition really struggling to uh, to catch up with him. Um, he's got the, but it he's... just doesn't happen. Well, I mean, he was recruited for agility and speed, and the way he's playing, yeah, he's using him, but he's got agility and strength, and that's 10 times more valuable yeah. um, if you've got a side around you that makes those things a strength, like we didn't, again, in the first two rounds when we were picking a better team. Um, you, I, I, I don't know where he's at. I think, I think more than anyone, he might be symptomatic of how confused our coaching is and our selection is because I I don't what do you think his role is in the side right now I, I've got no idea I don't know what is his role I, I really don't know it's like backup runner or something like that I, <laughs> I really don't understand We're, we seem to be playing him because we can't afford not to play him because he was a, a relatively early draft pick we put a lot of time and effort into him but we're what four years in and he like he didn't work out down back he hasn't really worked out up forward yeah he hasn't really had any time in the midfield. Like, I guess time's running out for Impey to sort of uh, make a, a genuine impact before he sort of becomes trade bait or, or delistable. 
Yeah, and look, I mean, I'm going to pump up our tyres for a bit. Like, I think that, you know, you and me and the people listening in live, because they're obviously the most astute, I think we know a bit about football. Um, and this seems to be a theme across the team in a lot of positions. Like, just, uh, Justin Westhoff made a joke about him earlier. But, like, after how many years of watching Justin Westhoff, I can't describe what he does. No. What's his role? What's his role? What's his role <laughs> yeah. on the side? And if we don't know, we watch him every week. We know a bit about football. Not you know, everything. We know a bit. And if we still can't tell you what uh, the, the guy that's played 200 games, what his role is in the side, how does he know? How does yeah. anyone know? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm confused. I, I, and Impey, another example. Uh, what's Amon's role on the side right now? Like he's playing a bit more defensively the last couple of weeks as well. Um, why do we have? Why is he a defender for us? Why, why has he become a sort of a weird halfbacky person for us? Because that seems to be where he's getting his disposals for the most part. What's, what's yeah. his role? What's he doing? Um, I'd say he's still meant to be forward flank, but he's pushing up the field a bit too far, I think. Um, well, maybe. But, but again, like, he's quick and he can run the lines and carry and gets the ball in the, on the outside. So I would say that the coaches want him sort of tracking up that far up the ground um, to be that sort of uh, get-out-of-trouble sort of kick. But whenever but, we sort of kick to him to get out of trouble, he sort of looks like a deer in headlights sometimes and gets caught at least once or twice a game. So... Yeah, well, it's like that's not the role he was drafted for, I didn't think. Halfback, <laughs> that, I didn't think he was drafted in that role. Uh, I, look, I, I don't understand that. Um, He's a half-centre flanker, is what he is. Yeah, kind of. And I don't think, like, I don't think, that's, I don't think, even think that's a good role for him. I don't, I don't, I really don't. I think he's better at playing more the genuine half-forward that doesn't run back into the back pocket when we're in defence so much. Yeah. I do like Carl, Carl, though. I've been a big fan of him. And as I said before, he's, uh, he's played at least consistently and he's and getting a fair bit of the ball and, and he's kicking goals. So at least he's doing something out there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Jasper's first game back. How did you find his game? Well, he had plenty of it, didn't he? Um, yeah. I think then a lot of what... Yeah. I thought our back line looked a bit more confident with him back there than what it has uh, or at least what it did last week I think I think it's hard well I, I think it's hard to say you've got a confident backline when they get smashed by tools the way they did mm. like, you know um, it's no good being confident and getting smashed I don't know how much I'm not saying that's on Pittard but I like as an inclusion but you look at you look at the amount of ball that was going inside 50 yeah. As I said, like, it took them until, what, 10 minutes into the into the last quarter to sort of get on top and look like yeah. winning the game. Yeah. Uh, I think the defence did a but bloody is, good is job. That, but is that because we robbed the forward line slash midfield to feed the defence? Like, that's kind of... That's where we're at. Like, not again, it's not an, a pit-eyed uh, criticism, but it's maybe a defensive resource allocation criticism. Like, you know, we, we had Carl Amon effectively playing, you know, half-back wing... We've got Hartler back, we've got Pittard back there, and we've got our key, our keyish defenders back there, Darcy Byrne Jones back there. Um, and we've got a lot of guys playing out of defence. And uh, again, I'm not blaming Pittard for this, but like, at what point do we say, hey, we we need less defenders in our side? Well, I was just about to bring that up because <laughs> let's just have a look at it. We've got Broadbent, Byrne Jones, yeah. Cleary, yeah. Uh, Hartlett, Houston, Impey, Jonas, Pittard. Mm. Uh, who all play in defence. Yeah, and that's the other change from the first two weeks. What, eight players? Yeah, that's the other change from the first two weeks, which is that we're playing more defenders and we're losing. Yeah. What's that all about? So it's almost like we've reverted back to type. 
from what well, we like were we in 2015-16, which is very disappointing. Yeah. And, yeah, like we were playing ridiculous numbers of defenders the last two seasons, and we're doing that again now. So, yeah. um, you know, if we're going to drop Carl Amon, we've got to drop him because he's playing quasi-defense, but we don't bring in a defender to replace him. You know? yeah. like, and is that his fault? You know, whoever's who's running defense this year as a coach? Who's doing that? Is it Bassett still? Yeah. Do we tell him to pull his finger out and start playing a defense that, you know, doesn't rob the other parts of the ground? Mm. Well, I think, like, we were doing this before Bassett actually <laughs> I know, joined the club. I know. So I think this Absolutely. is very much a Ken system. Yeah, um, I'd say so. It, it hasn't worked the last two years, so I, I don't see why we need to be reverting back to it again this year. Uh, when players sort of drop out of the side. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand. But what happened in that last quarter and was there anything we could have done to stop that onslaught? Retain focus. That's really it, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Like, we had that quiet period where we just didn't... Like, the whole qu- whole quarter, but, like, just from the third quarter on, we just did nothing. Yeah. Um Maybe we, we just didn't really get a kick in the last well, quarter at all. Like it's almost it's, like we we burned all our, uh, you know, burned the candle trying to um, trying to stay into the game, and we just had nothing left in the tank. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but uh, it's almost like how it sort of played out. Well, I mean, you don't get disposals when you're up. Okay, the way GWS play, they get the ball in the center, they get it to guys on a quick lead, and then they kick goals. There's not if, if they're not being hindered in doing that, then there's no role for a Port Adelaide player to get a disposal, is there? realistically. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where we fell down. We were letting them get on top in midfield. We weren't tight enough in defence. Uh, and then they just dominated and smashed us. They absolutely smashed us. Uh, the, the disposals in the last quarter, I've just looked it up now, it was 133 to 52. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's got to be just about the highest differential I can remember it, seeing in football in a quarter. It, it's the biggest flaw with rebound football is that rebound football depends so heavily on forcing an error. And yeah. if you don't force an error, you got nothing. You've got to have a stronger midfield. You've got to have a midfield... And you've got to have a forward line that when your midfield does get on top, they can exploit it as often as possible. Um, that's what GWS have got. Their, mid, their defense is a bit shit. We've said that multiple times, and it still is a bit shit. Um, but they've got a plan A that is very hard to beat. They've got a plan A that's very hard to beat. And our plan A is rebound. Like, that is our plan A, let's be honest. Our plan A... Traditionally, under Ken Hinckley, is rebound. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 not a premiership way to win. Rebound. It's good. It can get you through the regular season, but you got to have that. Uh, you got to be able to take the, the the game by the scruff of the neck and straight up win it and deprive your opponent of getting the ball when you need to. And that's something we are not good at. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, anything else you want to add? Nah, I don't think so. Do I'm you pretty... think? How do you feel after that? Do you think we played all right, considering? I think the players did about as good as I would expect them to in the circumstances. I think the coaches need to have a really good hard look at themselves, and I think that there should not be any talk about adding extra years to contracts in the coaches' box mm. at any point until maybe round twenty. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I thought overall we did play quite well, um, considering how much ball they got, how many inside 50s they got. They dominated on the inside to stay in the game and to actually lead at three-quarter time with all that happening. Uh, you know, I thought they played pretty well. 
Yeah, I think, look, I think the, the fact that we had such a high level of focus for three quarters and we were able to sort of hold in in a game that really I don't think a lot of us rated us to win. Yeah. Um, the, I think the players I think the players did the best they could with what they were given yeah. in, in, in each other, which is strange. Um, but I don't, look, this is a question that might become clear by the end of the year, but like like you said, those goals, that those periods from uh, Boak and Trengo that really didn't give us a rise... Like, I think that might be telling of something, and I don't know what, and it will become clear at the end of the year, I'm sure. Yeah. But that's strange. That That's not normal. No, that's true. Uh, moving on, we'll have a quick chat about the Magpies, who uh, went to the parade on Thursday night and came away with their first win at the ground in a decade, uh, winning by just the three points, 12 goals, 17 to 13 goals, 8. Uh, Port came from behind a few times in the last quarter to win, with uh, Brett Eddy kicking three goals, Jakey Need, Billy Franton, and Robbie Young kicking two as well. When you talk about when you talk about guys that don't have anything to prove in the SNFL, isn't Brett Eddy that guy? You would think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, he's been the clear cut best key forward in the uh, in the SNFL for the, the last at least two years, probably three. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you would think uh, he's got nothing left to to sort of. Prove he hasn't. It. He hasn't, and he's putting up goals anyway. So good on him, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, he, right. he played pretty well, and he kicked a goal in the last quarter, which uh, put us in front as well. But uh, Robbie Young kicked um, what proved to be the winning goal, uh, which was an absolute wonderful effort deep in the pocket. He sort of stopped the ball from going through from behind, uh, was able to break a tackle, um, and uh, and slot an absolute wonderful goal from deep in the pocket. So uh, worthy of winning any match uh, at any time, that one. And then Todd Marshall, uh, your mate, who... Yeah. Uh, went back and took uh, the game-saving mark at centre-half back. Ah, in a, in a big, did he? In a big pack of about 15 players. He stuck the big mitts up and uh, took the grab. Interesting that he's playing in defence. Well, he wasn't. He just went back there. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it was, it was like 40 seconds left or something, so everyone but, went back there. But for him to still take that mark, uh, very pleasing. I'm officially starting up the uh, the Marshall for part-time <laughs> tall backman uh, bandwagon. So if you want to get on, listeners, get on board now. He really we're, we're is the new Westhoff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, maybe. <laughs> that is a pretty uh, Westhoff thing to do, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. It was very Westhoff. Um, yeah, Jimmy Tompas, he was probably one to talk about. He had, uh, okay. on the stat sheet, he had a massive game. 28 touches, 9 marks, uh, 3 tackles. Uh, there's been a bit of inconsistency in regards to his performance. Some people thought he was rubbish. Others thought he was best on ground. Um, so the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but I guess it's at least pleasing that he got uh, that much of the ball um, after I think he only had something like three or four touches at halftime last week. So at least he's had a bit of a big game to try and get some confidence into him. Where was he getting those touches? I think he was playing across halfback and, uh, and through yeah. the wing. That's Henry Slattery numbers. Similar, similar to last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, okay. Look, I, I don't... I, very rarely would I say a, a guy playing that role is your best player. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that, for sure. I, 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 yeah, not having seen the game, I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was the one time in 100, but I don't know. Yeah, okay. We'll see how he goes. <laughs> Looking at the highlights, Billy Frampton is one that uh, really did impress... Um, mm. And look, he's someone that I've been really unsure whether he's actually going to make it or be at the club beyond this year. But yeah, 
I think he's growing. I, th- I really think he's uh, he's growing in confidence, growing into uh, his body, and um, might be ready to get some games at some point uh, this season. He had 17 touches, three marks, six tackles, 13 hitouts, and kicked two goals, uh, which is a pretty fair effort for um, a ruckman who was uh, uh, playing up forward as well. Yeah, look, I mean that's the that's the thing about Billy Frampton that I think makes him consistently an alluring prospect is the fact that he can play out forward a little bit. Um, and particularly if you have a arguably a Frampton slash rider combo at the top level, like then you've got a good rotation between ruck and forward line, don't you? That's that's not that's that's pretty nice if you've got two similarish players and especially if they're being coached by Brendan Laid, who is exactly that player. Yeah. Um, do you, again, I'm going to be on the Brendan Laid is a, a fantastic rock coach bandwagon. Like, do you think maybe that's a factor that's sort of seeing him lift his game this year? I think so. Looking at the highlights, he had some pretty impressive taps. Uh, he took on an absolute monster pack mark, which I really liked. And he's a wonderful kick of the footy as well. He's a very mm. clean kick. Uh, I would love for him to make it because uh, I think a Ryder-Frampton combo uh, could work pretty well. Okay, excellent. Yeah, look, I, I agree. It could work pretty well, um, and we look. We, <laughs> I, I, I'm still going to maintain it, and I don't think anything will change it now. Uh, the I don't want to see Matthew Lobby playing a power gansey again, bandwagon. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm pretty big on that one. So yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him get a crack. Or I'd like to see him get a crack this week, and I'd be okay if he got a crack against Carlton. Quite frankly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Brendan Archie, he had that monster game last week. A lot of people were sort of. Uh, calling for him to come in, and he followed that up with uh, eight touches and eight tackles. Yeah, 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 of course he did. Um, yeah, no, he's not there. I, I don't think he should have been on the list this year, but there you go. These things happen. Disappointing for him to follow that up with uh, with that sort of game, but I, I believe he was getting some close attention, so uh, still should have been able to work through that a bit. Um, Dougal Howard, his first senior game back um, okay. from his knee. Injury, uh, yep. He... Apparently, it was very, very impressive uh, down back, playing down back, which is great. Um, he had 12 touches and six rebound 50s and, and, again, took some really nice marks down there as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it'd be good to get Dougal back as an option. Um, I'm still less bullish on him than you are, Macro. I know you're a big uh, Dougal Howard fan from previous last year, but, uh, yeah, no, it'd be good to see him get back and find some form. Maybe he'll get the Brendan Laid effect as well. Who knows? The thing I like about <laughs> him is that he can play up forward, he can yeah. play in the ruck, and he can play down back. Yeah, but I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But for me, like, I feel like he doesn't. I don't. I don't feel he'll be a player that will ever have enough presence in any of those roles to say he he is the guy that you pick to play in those roles. Hmm. Like, I think he's a utility, um, which you know you just you describe a utility, and that's fine, and it's okay to have a tall utility. Um, but it's I don't. I, I, it can really not work well at all. Yeah. Oh, look, like he, I, he's still young. He's coming back yeah. from injury. Uh, he he's worth he looked pretty worth impressive shot, last sure. year. He's worth uh, persevering with, I think, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's my big question. How did the um, last year's draftees go? Any any big news for them? Yeah, Joe Atley had 18 touches, 7 tackles. Okay. So he was uh, very consistent um, and Good. really backed up what he did last week as well. Uh, Willem Drews had a pretty slow start to the year. He had 10 touches, mm. 6 tackles. Uh, Brett Eddy, we've already spoken about. He kicked three goals. Um, and that's about it, I think. Okay, cool. And yeah, uh, Marshall, Jesse... who was uh, playing up forward, uh, as I said before, he took that great mark down back, but uh, he had seven yeah. touches and kicked a goal. Um, and yeah, the, 
There seem to be quite a few people sort of criticising his game on uh, on Big Footy. I've just got to say, he is a very, very raw player. He's going to take oh, yeah. a lot of time to really sort of grow, a grow into his body because he's a stick figure at the moment, uh, and b learn the the systems and structures and all that sort of stuff. He's coming from a long way back. He's got, he's got he's a big raw talent, but he is going to take time, and he's not going to be the sort of player that's going to dominate from this year. He's going to play some really good games, and he's going to have some games where he's not going to get a kick. Uh, but again, I think we just got to persevere through that because I think uh, the future uh, does look very, very bright with Todd. Yeah, look, I mean, he's behind the eight ball on a lot of counts, and basically all of the counts are SPPs ahead. Uh, in that he's missing physically, he's missing in terms of regular high-level football exposure. Um, and he's playing a role that is hard to get good at. It is hard to get good at that role. It's hard to be. It's hard to be a key forward in, in, in Australian rules football. Mm. Um, it is because there's so much demand on you. Uh, you've got to be confident. Uh, you've got to be resilient mentally. When you kick points, you don't get well Matthew Richardson and start kicking points every time for the rest of the game. You've got to. You've got to be really resilient, mentally resilient. Um, so there's a lot for an 18 year old to learn. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Especially one that's... Um, who's, who's an 18-year-old ha- out there that you know who's resilient? Yeah, well, that's it. Especially one that hasn't gone through the traditional football pathway. Exactly. Because Todd was a cricketer uh, and only really sort of concentrated on football last year. So it's not like he's been in every you know state under whatever team uh, for the last four or five years. You know, he's coming... Yeah. You know, he's just a, a raw young kid that's going to take a bit of time. From Daniloquin, you know, like it's not as though you had regular access to top level coach or anything. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway. There we go. Well, I think that's it mm. for this evening, mate. All right. Excellent. That was fun. It was fun. That was good. I like doing reviews. They're good. Yeah, they are good. They're good fun. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah. You can all join us again on Thursday and work it so we can work out how we can not lose to Carlton this time. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where there's so many ways to not lose to Carlton. Um, it's almost better to work out how we will lose. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can do that. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Until next time, can the pair. Can port. Look at Chad, Sean Bergon, who delivers beautifully on the chest of Thurston. Pick it with the overlap.